Hello, and welcome to Harmony UK, a brand new podcast dedicated to the exciting world of British barbershop harmony singing. I'm John Beasley, and in this first edition... Of all the groups, Spinnaker Chorus have a style closest to traditional barbershop, and part of their challenge will be to use these three weeks to bring their sound closer to contemporary a cappella. Two million viewers saw Spinnaker Chorus competing in BBC Two's a cappella show, The Naked Choir. But what did the chorus themselves make of it? We'll find out. Singing with the opposite sex. Mixed quartets are taking root and a new mixed chorus competition is on the way. So what do you think of this new development? Is it really barbershop? We'll also hear about high emotions at Harmony College. Can we go right from there, please? No. (laughs) (laughs) What was it that brought Reckless, one of our top quartets, to tears? They'll tell us. And is this really the best barbershop baritone in the world? Sweet Adeline, sweet Adeline, Adeline. Well, he certainly thought so. But who is he? All will be revealed. But first, at Singouts and Sweet Adeline's conventions, they normally sound something like this. Love is Also, ladies of Spinnaker Chorus from Portsmouth, recorded during a weekend coaching session in late October 2015. But when 16 members of the chorus took part in Gareth Malone's latest TV a cappella series, The Naked Choir, the style was a little different. Spinnaker were the first of two barbershop outfits to take part. Sadly, neither of them made the final. But what did they make of the experience? Well, the chorus kindly let me come along to their coaching day, and during the lunch break I spoke to three singers who'd appeared in the programme. Later, you'll hear from Tracy Daniel, the PR and bookings officer, and from Emma Payne, one of the chorus basses. But first, Spinnaker's musical director, Jenny Savory. What had attracted her about the series? The advert the programme had been put out amongst Labs and Babs and Sweet Adelines across the country and uh, I think anything that comes along with um, just a new, a new adventure, a new possibility a new angle, it always excites me anyway because uh, I never want the course to get stale or samey, so uh, a couple of the girls said why don't we have a go at applying and yeah, the apply we did, it was a, a really long drawn out application process weren't really quite sure what we were signing up to if I'm totally honest, but just the fact that it was attached to the BBC and Gareth Malone was enough for us to know it was going to be a good credible um, TV programme and we were interested to see what, what we'd signed up for um, didn't quite expect um, what we got, but as I say everything was a complete surprise Well what did you get? Tell us about what you had to go through first of all to get through the initial selection process We had to go up to London and sing a song that they'd given us. About a week before, they sent out a list of about eight songs and said, pick one, come up and sing it to us, you've got one week, off you go. 
So, of course, that was a big challenge. We had to quickly decide which one we were going to do, how are we going to do it, you know, and we were around each other's houses day in, day out. And we went up to London, sang the song in front of the cameras, and then we were interviewed about an hour, hour and a half interview with the TV producer, Lee McMurray. And about a month after that, that's when we got the call, so we got through. I think Spinnaker Chorus are warm, and they seem to be really close, and they've got a sense of fun. That's what I like. And if we... If they can get that across on stage, then I think that will be the, that will be how they will win through. You work your socks off for something, you commit to it, and it's a huge compromise on your family life and your work life. You just have to throw yourselves in. The last thing you want to do is go on TV and, and produce some unprepared, under-rehearsed. So obviously we were chucking in as much rehearsal time as we could. So it was a huge amount of energy and commitment you had to put in. So we did a an okay job I, I was thoroughly proud of what we did on the day considering the time limits you know and everything else we're all women who have got families and jobs and children and all sorts of other commitments as you can imagine but we did do a good job on the day we hoped upon hope that we might have got through to the next round we would have so loved to have gone to the boot camp but unfortunately it wasn't to be and, and we took that on the chin but you, you, you can't help but have that little thing inside you that says oh please let me get through yeah has it been worth it and so yeah it was gutting to not get through I can't lie I think a lot of barber shoppers will have empathised because they, they took you right out of your comfort zone didn't yeah. they you did things that we don't normally do on the road absolutely I mean they wanted us to do even more than what we did um, in terms of beatboxing and things like that well I can tell you we've never done anything like that <laughs> and you know so we, we were just so embarrassed to think we, we were going to be stood on live TV doing all this like <laughs> We, I mean, like, I, we cannot do it. But we were willing and we had to go. It just didn't turn out to be enough for what they were looking for. I call you when I need you, my heart's on fire. Come to me, come to me, wild and wired. Ooh, you come to me. I'm just wondering about that because when Gareth talks about barbershop, he often uses the word traditional, and mm. some people might think that traditional could be replaced with words like a bit unadventurous or just a tiny bit boring compared to other the, yeah. uh, the other forms of a cappella. Do, do you think that barbershoppers can really succeed on a show like this? Well, I would like to think so, yes, because what we can produce on stage and with our voices is absolutely fantastic. I mean, engaging by the competitions that we go to, it's absolutely phenomenal. The sound from a barbershop chorus is wonderful. Uh, but I do think that people do have this impression of barbershop as being, like you say, rather old-fashioned and... Um, Almost a bit boring. But yes, bit and we're strange. far from boring. I think, I think barbershop in general is changing so much and we're trying to introduce modern songs um, I think to be that a bit more it, it, I was amazed at the debate it sparked after the first episode went out and obviously on the social media there was a whole thread of, of people putting in their opinions and actually it did raise some very valid points which I hadn't thought of at all well, such as things like saying is barbershop stuck in a rut are we going to progress can we progress is there any way that you can take barbershop forward into the new century or do you have to stay the same and do you have to stay traditional for it to be classed as barbershop so I don't really know what people will have to make their own minds up about that. But what I am, I suppose, now from the programme willing to do is take a few more risks. And, and actually, I feel 
a little bit more, we've got permission to have a go at something, and we will. And, and it might be slower than the rest of the musical world in terms of things like, you know, beatboxing and all that. We might be a, a little bit behind, I'm sure. But I'm certainly willing to give something new a try now, yeah. Based on your own experience, what would you say to other choruses if they make another series? Should, should, should other barbershop choruses go for this? Yes, absolutely. I think there's more that we can show that we can do in terms of versatility. We, we were the first ones. We were the guinea pigs, Spinnaker, and you know we put ourselves out there and had a go and took the risks. Um, we know that there are other talented barbershop choruses, octets, quartets in the UK... I think there's plenty of youngsters, actually, within the barbershop world that would be really willing to go there and go all the way with with Gareth and the other experts and give them what they wanted. Can I just ask the three of you, just to finish, what what do you think the chorus has has gained from taking part in the show? Oh, bags of knowledge going forward of the experience of what we've been through and what we can bring to barbershop as a whole. I think that's going to really benefit every single one of us on the risers because, I mean, there was only 16 of us actually singing in the competition, but we brought all that wealth and all that knowledge back to, to the whole chorus. I mean, with Jenny at the helm, we're going to go places. We're doing so gradually, but we are. I can, I can, I, can, I know, I feel like my water, Jenny. We will, we will. Bring it into the 20, 22nd century. Is that right? 20, what are we, 21st century? 21st. 21st. I can't even remember. Buck Rogers. <laughs> Spinnaker Chorus wowing their audience with the Tina Turner song, Simply the Best. The series The Naked Choir was made for the BBC by 2020 Television. My thanks to Jenny Savory, Tracy Daniel and Emma Payne for sharing their experience, as well as some of their cake with me. It turns out that uh, Spinnaker Chorus love cake almost as much as they love singing, and it was uh, great to meet them. Well, now, it's not so long ago that it was accepted practice in barbershop for men and women to sing separately. Not anymore. The past few years have seen a growing number of mixed quartets performing and competing. Hannah and the Hurricanes, tenor Andrea Day, lead Hannah Brahm, uh, baritone Tim Briggs and bass Duncan Winyates are the current UK champions. You'll find them on YouTube where they sound like this. You caught me, you me by me and I fell in love with you somehow, with you somehow. So what's the use of trying not to fall? I have no will, you've made your kill Because you took advantage of me took advantage of I'm just like an apple on a bough And you're gonna shake me down somehow So what's the use, you've cooked my goose took advantage of me tell you I'm so hot and bothered that I Hannah and the Hurricanes from 2014, the song You Took Advantage of Me. Well, this autumn, the quartet took gold again in the mixed contest held at the Ladies' Association of British Barbershop Singers' recent convention in Bournemouth. And next May, the Men's Association, Babs, are planning to host the first ever competition for mixed choruses on the final day of their convention in Harrogate. Both contests, by the way, are sponsored by Barbershop in Harmony, an educational charity which brings together the three barbershop organisations in the UK. Well, Jean Lewis is a Labs member and she was at Bournemouth where 15 mixed quartets were on stage this year. I should say that members of my own chorus, Capital Chorus, in West London were singing in three of them 
Anyway, Jean packed her digital recorder and afterwards she took to the convention bar to seek some views on Mick's Barbershop. Now you'll hear from four voices, Jackie Edwards, a past chair of Labs, uh, John Grant, a founder and former leader of Grand Central Chorus, Nikki Dyer, baritone with Signature Chorus and two women's quartets, The Signets and Audacity. But first off, let's hear from Andrew Edgeley, the MD of Ladies Chorus, Guildford Harmony. I love this drop shop because um, you can fill in all the parts that you can't in one or the other. You get the nice ladies' ones at the top and you get a big bassy men's ones at the bottom. So I like it. You've sung in both, haven't you? Yeah. On contest days. Yep. Which do you prefer? Uh, I did better in single sex, so maybe I prefer that one. But no, I mean, you hear some fantastic um, mixed ones and so uh, I think they've got a, a future. In fact, they're getting so big I reckon they might even need another convention soon. It's different. I'm all for it, but I can't say I enjoy it as much as single voice barbershop. I sympathise. I do. But Hannah and the Hurricanes did blow me away last night. I didn't see them, I'm afraid. I saw them last year when they won, and I thought, of course, they were fabulous. But I still stand by what I say. I think it's okay. I think it's good fun. I think it's got its place. I think it doesn't quite ring the same way that, you know, a good men's quartet will do or even a good women's quartet for that matter it's a compromise in terms of arrangement you, you don't have either the spread chords of a men's quartet or the really tight chords of a ladies quartet so it does miss out a bit there but great fun and you know I've really heard some some good groups singing well I haven't heard a lot of it so I heard a little bit last year and then I heard Hannah and the Hurricanes and I just think it brings a really different um, approach to it so the sound is really different I think it's really lovely for couples to sing together or not listen to be couples but um, the mix of voices is a different challenge so yeah I'm, I'm all for it our very own quartet of mixed voices, thanks to Andrew, Jackie, John and Nikki, and special thanks to Jean for taking her microphone and braving the thirsty hordes. You're listening to Harmony UK, a brand new podcast dedicated to the exciting world of British barbershop harmony singing. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear in this first edition, or you've ideas or suggestions for future programmes, then I would love to hear from you. There are three ways to get in touch. You can send an email. The address is harmonyukpod at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, then you can tweet at Harmony UK Pod, or you can search for the Harmony UK Podcast page on Facebook. Now, Harmony College this year had many highlights, including a remarkable and at times emotionally charged coaching session featuring one of our best-known men's quartets. I'm Andy Foster, I sing tenor with Reckless. My name's Duncan Winyates, I sing lead, the hardest part, with Reckless. My name's Andy, I sing the hardest part, which is the bass. My name's Dale Kinnison. I sing the bass part in the quartet, which is the baritone. There are no easy parts in, uh, in, in, in this quartet. <laughs> uh, yes, the baritone, the lead and the tenor <laughs> are the easy parts. The bass is the difficult part. But there were no easy parts for anyone on the final morning of Harmony College, when, under the direction of two barbershop legends, arranger, director and coach Steve Tremack and international quartet gold medalist Jack Pinto, the members of Reckless submitted themselves to a memorable and forensic coaching session, which at times had them moved to tears. Reckless are the UK's most successful men's quartet to date at international competition, and so at least 120 people had come along to watch. I asked them what that was like. 
It was quite scary, actually. We were all very tired after a weekend's work and coaching and, and singing and drinking, of course. And uh, it was quite an intense situation. Uh, they didn't pull any punches, did they, when the when no. coach started straight off with a, come on, lads, I'm getting bored with this. And he really sort of went into us, didn't he, mm. at, the, at, the, mm. at the start. And uh, it sort of went on from there. Was... Which, to be honest, we, we really appreciate people being absolutely honest and brutal. Because you get very close to a song, or you get very close to each other, and sometimes you don't want to say things to each other, and somebody comes in and says it for you, and it's it's great, and it's just somebody being open and honest with us. It's also so the audience we're, we're in front of it really uh, puts you under uh, a little bit of pressure because they're your peers, they're the people that we are there to coach. So we've been coaching them all weekend, and now they're looking at you, and you're thinking. I, I know that I don't do all the things that I tell other people to do. <clears throat> so now I've got to start trying to do them. But A, it's top-class coaching, and, and it really puts you on your metal having uh, people there watching. It would be very, quite different in here if there was no, no one watching. Yes, we'd still try as hard as, as we could, but it just, just raises that level just, just a bit more. I was going to ask you about that. Well, you, you felt a little bit vulnerable at times because um, I, I can't remember whether it was Steve or Jack. Steve, I think, was at one point said that you, you were being lazy about the song. And there's 120 people watching him tearing his strip off you. I, that, that, would, that would make most people feel very, fairly vulnerable. Uh, yeah, it does a bit. Um, but the thing is, you see, we, we get quite involved in a song as we're singing it between the four of us, and we think, oh, that's great. But what he does is add the audience perspective to it. Um, we can get involved in sort of ringing chords, but actually, is that an entertaining way to deliver the song? Which not ne- it isn't necessarily you know, the way. And he's given us the audience perspective and uh, that's, that's something that we, we need to consider more than just sort of the enjoyment between the four of us. Right to the browns just as soon as you're able What you're seeing here, let me just tell you all, all of you who are fabs, labs, whatever you are, this is the beginning of your first quartet that's going to make the 2010, and I'm telling you, if they keep on that, they're going to go all the way to represent Babs. I'm telling you that right now. To be fair, he also said, and this, this, this really did strike me, he said this could be the start of something momentous and that you guys could go to the very, very top. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, I mean, well, it's a lot of responsibility, it's, isn't it? Well, it, it's a very nice thing for him to say. Jack's been quite a good supporter of, of us for a number of years now. I mean, he came and sat with us when we got the results in Vegas and he's waved the flag for us, if you like. So he wouldn't say stuff to us 
just to bull us up. And I think it's given us a little bit of a boost to work hard to prove him right, which is you know which would be nice because you know I'd, I'd love him to be right. I think that, I think that was part of the emotion on the day, not just that it was uh, the morning after the night before because we all stayed up and enjoyed ourselves, and people were always a bit more emotional, you know, when they're tired and stuff. It wasn't just the emotion of the song; it was that that he motivated us with those words about what we could be, the potential we do have, and, and he thinks we're capable of something that's a lot higher than what we're aiming for and what we dare to believe. So can we go? Um, can we go right from there, please? No. Because <laughs> it looked to some of us down in the audience as, as as though there were actually real tears flowing at one time. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was uh, one of those moments when you kind of want to hide. Really, you, you can't stop what's going on. And as Duncan said, it's partially kind of emotions. You're at a heightened level of emotions during the weekend anyway. You experience a lot of things over over such a lovely weekend with with friends and and so on. But there was also some stuff going on there with the song which, which just kind of triggered those emotions. And, yeah, there were tears. There were a lot of tears, actually. And, and it, once you get past that point, it's quite difficult to stop yourself. But it's a lesson to learn. You know, you, you, once you, you've reached a point emotionally with a song, you can step back from it then, and you can take note of where that happened. I notice you're doing some, some coaching of your own. Is, is that part of the fundraising operation? Because I, I imagine it costs a great deal of money to compete abroad, doesn't it? It's, it's, it is part of the fundraising um, drive, and every year it costs us between ten and £12,000 to do what we want to do. Getting four of us across the pond um, in itself is, is £4,000. Yeah. Uh, just for the flights, yeah. And then on top of that, you've got your hotels, your registrations, etc. But more importantly, the level that we're working at, we have coaches very regularly and we, we tend to use international coaches who understand us and want us to get to that next level so that's costly also it's lovely to go on that stage with a song which no one else has sung before so we try and get songs arranged for us particularly taking into consideration our style and our vocal range as well so that's costly too well I wish you all the very very best of luck uh, next time where, where is it by the way next time around? it's in Nashville uh, it's always over the week of uh, American Independence, Independence Day which is the 4th, yeah. 4th of July well, it's around about that yeah. Doug's got a nice story about yeah. that but as part of the quarterfinals the first round of quartets on the Wednesday a uh, couple of quartets from each representative nation at the start of each session we'll get up and sing the national anthem and the Americans brilliant they all stand up and, and uh, are really polite with it I've had to do that twice now sing God Save the Queen to six, six, between six and 10,000 Americans on Independence Day. <laughs> so last, last time we did it on Independence Day, it, it, it just, you don't really uh, speak on the competition stage, but I just said, we'd like to wish you all a happy Independence Day with this little song. <laughs> and you could hear half the audience laughed and then explained it to the other half of the audience. <laughs> and then they laughed as well. God save our gracious Queen, long live
Now that is style. I, I do love the idea of adding a tag to the end of the national anthem. It was sung there by the combined voices of two quartets, Reckless and Tagline. And thanks to all four members of Reckless for giving up some time to talk at the start of their weekly rehearsal. Thanks also to Eddie Evans from Babs, who made available the sound recordings of that remarkable coaching session under glass. Incidentally, if you're listening to this before Saturday, November the 21st, then there's still time to get tickets to see Reckless at the Leatherhead Theatre in Surrey. The show is called Give Me a Song, and it's organised by the North Surrey Downsman, who will also be appearing. Tickets are available from the box office. Now, as you know, the international barbershop competitions take place in the United States because that's where barbershop harmony singing as we know it was born and where it was first preserved. Also at Harmony College this year, there was an intriguing one-hour session on the history of the genre. It was organised by Dick Knight, who's been an active British barbershopper and a leading light in Babs for over 40 years. So I asked Dick the question that we club singers are so often asked at sing-outs by members of the public. Did barbershop really begin in barbershops? Well, yes and no. They look back at the history of barbershop singing and they actually go back to very early days when barbershops were used to entertain people while they waited for their turn because in those days uh, a a razor was very expensive and people couldn't afford it. So in order to have a shave, they used to visit the barbershop. And going way back, they used to have musical instruments available on the wall of the barbershop so people could amuse themselves when they were waiting their turn. But if you translate that setting then to America the barbershop took on an added dimension, especially in the Depression years, because people had no money. So once again, they couldn't afford shaving equipment, so they used to use the barbershop to go to. But often they had a back room, which was almost like a gentleman's club, where the ladies didn't come, of course, because they didn't go to barbershops. And it became a gambling den, but also a place where people once again would entertain themselves uh, with a bit of singing. And that's where the current model of barbershop singing started, In addition to barbershops themselves, they also used to have street corner gangs where people used to just entertain themselves on a street corner. And that's where a lot of doo-wop came from, but also some barbershop came through that as well. And yet when what we now know as the Barbershop Harmony Society in America was started, barbershop was past its peak, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was on its way out because of the current trends in recording, where people no longer stood around a piano and played their songs and entertained themselves because wax discs came in. People were now changing their emphasis, and that's when O.C. Cash decided that he ought to do something about it and try and preserve the style. So he called together the group of friends and uh, actually formed the Barbershop Harmony Society as we now know it, but previously known as the Society for the Preservation and Encouragement of Barbershop Quartet Singing in America. Catchy name. Yes. <laughs> well, say, uh, maybe all of you don't know me. Uh, Cash is the name, Owen Clifton. My friends call me O.C. Oh, you thought I was a lead singer? Well, I mean, listen, if I'm pressing the service, I can surely pull my share of the load, but actually, baritone is my specialty. I claim to be the world's greatest barbershop baritone. In terms of what they were doing in America, clearly nostalgia played a big part of it, uh, uh, hankering for, for, for what they knew as, as, as children, a simpler life. That wasn't part of our culture. Why do you think barbershop spread here? Well, because it's great fun to do. I mean, a cappella singing is not in our cultural history in the same way, but when it came here from the States and people heard it, uh, and then when they had a chance to try it, they all, or the people that are currently doing it, of course, went, ooh, I like that. I want to do some more. I mean, that's what 
how, how I got into it, because I used to be a, a boy chorister, and that's where I learned my singing craft in the early days, when, before, even before my voice broke. And having left choral singing uh, when I went to school, I had no singing opportunities, really. My school didn't have a choir. Um, there were occasional amdrams. But then I was very fortunate to hear a radio advertising a show, which was all barbershop. And they were using a quartet, who were then champions, as an advert for the show. And I thought, oh, I like that sound. I'm going to go to that show. And I've never looked back since. Is barbershop in this country then still evolving? Are we still creating history that people look back on in the future and say, yeah, things are changing at that time? Yes, but uh, an awful lot of what we do style-wise in this country is guided by what's currently happening in America. Being the parent organisation, I suppose you could call it, uh, they have a much longer history of the art form. They have third and fourth generation barbershop singers over there who have trained in musical education, not just in barbershop. Uh, So there's a great deal of skill and expertise. Translating over to here, we tend to copy what's trended over there a year or two earlier, as in a lot of things in life, you know, the, the, the bigger powers tend to be the trendsetters for what's going on. But we're evolving in this country. We've grown in size, we've grown in membership, we've now got three organisations operating in this country, two ladies' organisations and a men's. Uh, We're now able to send our contestants, our winning contestants, to America to compete over there. And that broadens their knowledge base and experience. We can go to America for educational purposes if we want to go to the Harmony University. So there's plenty of opportunities for us to become bigger and better at what we do. And new innovations like uh, mixed quartets coming on? Yes. Um, I joined in that uh, three years ago. My family and I sing together in a mixed quartet. And we were fortunate enough to play second the first year out and third the second year out. And it's, it's an opportunity now for families particularly to be able to sing together, whereas that's always been denied us in barbershop because it's been a single-sex singing situation. But you can bring the art form into barbershop. It's not quite as pure because we do struggle with mixed voices to get the right pitch or the right key of a song. And often we adjust it up or down so that, you know, you can, until you find a, a satisfactory way of performing a song. But it is great fun and it does, you know, brings people together from the uh, various organisations. And this year, of course, for the first time, the competition that's been held in conjunction with the Labs Convention is actually being sponsored by all three organisations, commonly known now as Barbershop in Harmony. Dick Knight, whose mixed quartet Way Out West was placed fourth this year. Well done to them. And before we go, let's hear a little more from O.C. Cash, co-founder of BHS and the self-styled world's greatest barbershop baritone. Hear all my dreams, all my dreams, your fair face Lots more of that on YouTube, by the way, courtesy of the Barbershop Harmony Society of North America, who kindly uploaded it. And that's all for this time. Don't forget that I'd love to hear your thoughts about this first Harmony UK podcast. And I'd love it even more if you were to share your ideas and suggestions uh, for what you'd like to hear in a second one. Uh, Drop me an email. The email address is harmonyukpod at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at harmonyukpod. Or you can find the Harmony UK podcast page on Facebook. For now, this is John Beasley saying thanks for listening. 
Until we meet again, keep the whole world singing, and bye-bye.